Welcome to Box to Box Football. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Box to Box podcast. I am your host, Stu Kovacs, with you riding solo on this episode, episode number 18 of the Box to Box podcast, covering all of the English Premier League, Champions League, Europa League, and a little bit of international stuff in between. As you can tell, Mike, JJ, Sean, and Kyle uh, all out for this episode, but we'll be back on a Tuesday with an all-new episode in which we will recap this weekend's Premier League action. But for this episode, we'll start off with uh, Champions League and Europa League taking place this week. Champions League match day two, Europa League match day two as well. And I guess the story for me uh, of the Champions League games this week, we have to start with Newcastle and PSG in Group F, the group of death. Newcastle winning 4-1 to one over PSG. And just a really, real fantastic performance out of Newcastle. Kind of surprising to some the way they started the Premier League season. They got off to a little bit of a cold start. They, uh, they, they lost to Liverpool. They lost to Man City. Lost a couple tough games, but they they rebounded nicely the last few games, and then they faced PSG, PSG one of the better uh, clubs in the world, one of the more prominent clubs in the world, and they uh, pretty much dominated that game, winning it four to one. Miguel Almiron with a goal in the 17th minute, followed by Dan Byrne in the 39th, Sean Longstaff in the 50th, and then Fabian Schar in the 91st. PSG did have a lot of possession in this game, 73 to 26. The shots were pretty close. Newcastle had 12 to PSG's 11, but it really wasn't about the stats. It was more about the eye test this this game, this match. Um, Newcastle came and kind of banged up a few of their normal guys. Not available for action. Joe Linton, Callum Wilson, uh, Harvey Barnes, who's out for a little bit of a while. They, they came in with a bit of a different squad, and Eddie Howe's team was able to really rebound nicely. And and come out with a good performance uh, for Newcastle. One of the standouts for me, I would say Karen Trippier in that right back position. Obviously he was tasked with a couple of things. Um, obviously a lot of time Mbappe was coming down that right side of the pitch when uh, Newcastle was on the defense. So he did a good job kind of containing Mbappe and as well as really initiating uh, the attack as well for Newcastle. Uh, some good passes. He had an assist. And he's just one of those players where they've made some big signings over the last year and a half. But for me, Trippier has been the most important one. Uh, the one that might not really get all the uh, accolades like Bruno Gimmerich and and uh, Harvey Barnes. Some of those other guys they've brought in, Anthony Gordon, um, Ishak. Like they, they've brought in a lot of big-name players since the takeover. But Karen Trippier is really the first guy they got, obviously, from Atletico Madrid previously with Spurs, someone who had that Premier League experience, who had that Champions League experience, and is just a terrific player, just a guy who really, you know, melts everything together on the offensive side of the of the pitch. And he was he was critical in, in this one. Um for PSG on the other hand, again, a team that's in a bit of turmoil, um, a bit of a mess, if you will. Luis Enrique's squad only fifth in Ligon with 12 points in seven matches. They have three draws and a loss already. So for a team that usually dominates their league and by you know a far margin, 
And it's a league that really isn't that strong. It's not the Premier League or even La Liga or Serie A. It's one of those lesser leagues, kind of in the same boat as the Bundesliga. For them to only be, I know it's early in the season, and they've had a lot of changes, but to be only fifth and struggling the, the way they have out of the gate, uh, the way they have out of the gate uh, for Luis Enrique's squad, it's going to be it's going to be a bit of an up, uphill battle to, to uh, come out of this group and to you know achieve the things they want to achieve, which are obviously winning Ligon is critical for them and they they're they you know they spend a lot of money they want to get to the champions league final they want to get to the champions league semifinals so if they're unable to do that and it doesn't look like in this stage they're going to be able to do that it's going to be a long haul for a psg especially without neymar without messi now it's a very different squad and it's a squad that's going to rely on Kylian mbappe to not only score a lot of goals um but to be a leader too they they are just to me, not a very good squad, though. Uh, I, I just, I mean, Dembele isn't that good. They come out in a four-two-four formation, which is getting a lot of criticism. Uh, the midfield, they don't really have that many good midfielders. Uh, Dunaroma in the goal, he's very shaky. He's one of those guys who's, I would say, more hype than someone who's achieved a lot. And I know it's very harsh, but he is someone that came in with a lot of hype. They've had a lot of money for him and. He wasn't great either in that match this week. So I think this is really a you know, tale of two squads right now. Uh, Newcastle, great job. They've turned things around nicely, Eddie Howe and company. And PSG, it's going to be a, a little, little very interesting to watch. Obviously, we talk more about the Premier League teams on this podcast, but PSG is obviously one of those teams that will get the attention, and we will certainly discuss what they do going forward. Um, the other match in Group F, Dortmund and AC Milan, a nil-nil draw, really a toss-up game. I think a fair result. I don't think either side really did anything in particular to, you know, deem themselves winners. So I think the the draw was very fair. Uh, Dortmund had 18 shots, three on target, while Milan had 14 shots, two on target. Uh, Dortmund, more 53%. It was pretty even. It was pretty even, and I think a draw was definitely the fair result. Now, group. Now, Group F does look like this at the moment. You have Newcastle leading the way with four points, followed by PSG with three, Milan with two, Dortmund with one. So obviously the next next match week, match week three and four, where we see the teams facing each other in kind of a home-and-home situation, you will see Newcastle and Dortmund squaring off, and then you will see AC Milan and PSG. So... I think match week three and four will really be where we see who comes out of this group. It does look like at this stage it's going to be Newcastle, at least getting one of those two spots. Will the other spot be PSG, Milan, or maybe Dortmund, who have kind of dug themselves in a bit of a hole only having one point through two matches. Obviously, that's the group that interests everyone the most, so we will see what happens there. Now, in Group A, we had a shocker on Tuesday as Man United... They lost again. Yes, they have not been good, as we've discussed many of times on this podcast so far throughout the first 17 episodes. But Man United, a 3-2 loss at home at Old Trafford to Galatasaray. Just another brutal performance. And for a squad that had really had trouble, I guess, on both sides, right? You could say they've had trouble scoring. That's certainly been the case. They've also had trouble defending, um, whether it's the defenders and the midfield or, or the goalie, they've kind of struggled through different facets. And for United, who hadn't really scored a lot of goals lately, to get two different leads and then blow the
the lead two separate times, it's just inexcusable. And it's just really, it's really, really bad for United at this stage. Hoyland scored. He scored in the 17th minute. Wilfred Zaha, the former United man, and more recently the Crystal Palace forward, uh, he evened up at the 23rd minute. Uh, that made it 1-1. And it was 1-1 for a while until uh, midway through the second half where Hoyland scored once again his second goal in the 67th minute. So to get some goals from Hoyland, very good. Progress, you're getting your striker, the striker you paid a lot of money to this offseason. You're getting him in the mix and getting him some goal-scoring opportunities. And at that point, you kind of want to see if you can hold the lead. And nope, they are not able to hold the lead. Uh, just four minutes later, they evened it up. And then in the 77th minute, that's when it went from bad to even worse. You got the Casemiro red card, which led to an Icardi penalty shot that he actually missed. So you're saying, okay, you're down a man, but at least you still you know, are kind of in this game with a, a 2-2 result. You you would hope at that point to hold on to the to the draw, but just three minutes later, Icardi made up for the penalty miss to score the goal, to give them the 3-2 lead, and to eventually win it for Galatasaray. Um, that is now 18 goals conceded in 10 matches in all competitions for United, and, and that's the most uh, of the first 10 games since 1966 for United, so... It's been it's been a long time since they've had this rough of a start. It might be their worst start ever um, when you combine what they've done outside of Premier League as well, Champions League and Carabao Cup. So in those ten games too, you're only you know it's just it's just rough. They only have gone points from four games, um, and if you take away the Carabao Cup match, it's only it's only three games. And the one game against Wolves, you can argue they didn't deserve to win. Uh, the game against Nottingham Forest, they, you know, they they kind of got a little bit lucky, I would say, maybe on the side of having uh, Forest go down. So it certainly has not been uh, pretty. And then Burnley too. Burnley was the third one, the third match in the Premier League where kind of was a struggle. And Burnley's not a squad that's really been that good this year. So to struggle against Burnley the way they did, it, it's just been all around tougher Ten Hag squad. And it's a bit of a crisis. It's hard to argue that. Now, do I think Ten Hag's going to get fired? I don't. I think they'll stick it out with him unless it gets really, really, really bad. I mean, it's really bad right now, but it could probably get even worse. So I think it would take a lot more for him to get to get sacked. Now, what exactly is wrong with United? I, I kind of alluded to it before. It's been kind of everything, right? They've had a lot of injuries, especially on the defensive side. Uh, they're down to like their fourth or fifth left back. Obviously, you have Sofian Amrabat playing that left-back position where he is a midfielder. He should be playing in that midfield next to Casemiro, not at left-back. So you're playing him out of position already as he tries to adjust to life in the Premier League and with his new squad. Uh, the center-back position, just brutal. I mean, you have Varane, who's now healthy, but you don't have Lissandro Martinez, who you rely on and is one of the better center-backs in the league. So you're relying on guys like Lindelof, who, as we've discussed, is... Just not a guy you want to rely on. Uh, Harry Maguire's gone. Some some games in center back. Johnny Evans. Just older guys. Guys that just should not be starting for Man United. Probably shouldn't really be starting in the Premier League. But especially for Man United. So the defense has been bad. Casemiro has not looked good. Uh, he looks like... And he was a guy last season that was really such a main reason why United finished in the top four. And he had such a strong impact when he came over from Real Madrid. 
he kind of looks like Van Dyke after Van Dyke's ACL injury. And both are still good players. But when Virgil Van Dyke suffered his ACL injury and he came back before his injury, he was, you could not beat him. He was just a perfect center back. He never made a mistake and he was perfect. He came back from the injury, combined that with being over 30. You kind of see from Virgil Van Dyke at Liverpool, just someone who, isn't the same as same player he was. He's still very, very, very good. But every now and then you see him out of position, him not be able to catch up the guy, him, you know, getting a red card against uh, Newcastle earlier in the season, just mistakes that he wouldn't make. And for Casemiro, it's kind of like the same thing. He only had two red cards his entire career before coming to United. And in just a little over one year, he already has three. That's, that's pretty appalling for a guy to go that long with only two and then, in just one calendar year, basically, to have three. You can kind of tell he's not the same guy. He's lost a step in a way. And, he again, he doesn't have the support around him to kind of make up for that. So he's kind of out on an island. And, again, Van Dyke kind of is the same way at times for Liverpool uh, with the way they play and the center back next to him kind of being a revolving door at times with some guys being hurt and some guys – uh, not being as consistent as you would like them to be. So that's a comparison I would make, Casemiro and Virgil van Dijk. Um, and Casemiro is a guy that they really rely on, and he needs to be great. Uh, aside from Casemiro, Onana at goal, he's really disappointed me. I was someone who thought that moving on uh, from David De Gea was the right move at the right time. I didn't think he was the guy that could get Man United where they wanted to, to be under Ten Hag. I don't think he's a guy that they could have trusted to win a Champions League final or even compete for a league title. I think they needed to upgrade that position. And I thought they did when they brought in Onana uh, from Inter Milan. And it just has proven to be, so far, just a brutal start for him. He has not looked good. Um, the, the passing, which is really his trademark, hasn't been there. Um, and then at the same time, He's given up some very soft goals. So Onana's been another uh, problem spot of this team. Uh, guys like Rashford and Fernandez, they haven't played poorly, especially Fernandez hasn't played poorly, I don't think. I think he's been fine. Rashford, on the other hand, maybe he you, you do want more goals from him. He had a really, really good three, four-month span after the World Cup uh, last year. He has not looked the same. They're also relying on him to score a little too much. It's, it's just, it, I guess, it's, to sum it up, it's a total team effort. And it's just a lot of guys not playing the way they should be and them missing a lot of guys because of injury. So it could be different things. And I think for United, it certainly is more than one thing. And I think all those things have combined to make this just one absolute disaster. Now, the other result in that Group A was Bayern Munich winning 2-1 to one over Copenhagen. Now, this was actually not as great as a, as a match from Bayern Munich as you're used to in, uh, in the Champions League. Uh, Copenhagen scored in the 55th minute. Uh, Bayern did come back. They scored in the 67th minute on a very, very nice goal from Musiala. And then Matthias Tell in the 83rd. Uh, again, this, this match was pretty close. This was the, you got to give the home side some credit here as Bayern had 15 shots compared to Copenhagen's 11, five on goal to four. Uh, so really closely contested battle, which was pretty shocking. Uh, but Bayern wins to, to go up to six points in Group A. Galatasaray four, Copenhagen one, and Manchester United zero. Just really, really, really shocking. 
But again, there's time for them. They do have, you know, two matches against Copenhagen. They do have one more against Galatasaray. You would think they should be able to get points out of that. And then we'll see what happens uh, going forward. Uh, top two in this group definitely still is possible. Very possible. But will they able to do it is the question. Now, another stunner from a Premier League squad and not in a good way. And that was in Group B as Arsenal. They lost to Lons by a score of 2-1. to one. Lons, of course, in the French League. Uh, Gabriel Jesus scored in the 14th minute. But Arsenal was not able to hold the lead as they got they gave up goals in the 25th and 69th minute. Uh, a concern for Arsenal as Bukayo Saka, he left the game with a leg injury. And his status for Sunday's match against Manchester City is in doubt. So at the time of recording this podcast, we do not know what Saka's uh, situation is for Sunday. As a neutral, you hope he plays because he is a difference maker and a very critical piece to that Arsenal squad. But um, for Arsenal, just you, you do kind of hope uh, you get better results going forward. Uh, definitely a shocking result losing the Lons in, uh, in this match. Now, Arsenal, they, they did dominate possession. They did have 11 shots, six on goal. Um, Lons only had uh, 10 shots, three on target. So I don't think Arsenal played poorly. They just really weren't able to get the goals when they needed, and they gave a couple goals, uh, you know, obviously where you would hope you would you were able to hold a 1-0 lead. They weren't able to do it. Um, they do miss Gabriel Martinelli. I, I keep mentioning that. I think I've mentioned that. Uh, at least two previous times, but since he's been out, that attack has not looked the same. They really miss him on that left side. Whoever they plug into that that left winger position, uh, whether it's Jesus moving over from striker, Nakedia, um, Fabio Vieira, Kai Havertz, it doesn't really matter. Whoever they plug in there is not the same player. Even Trossard, Trossard's a very nice player. Trossard's a very, very nice guy to rotate in, bring in, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes left in a match, but uh, he's no Gabriel Martinelli, and to to lose him on that left side, it's very tough. Um, and it's not a lot of shot creation from Arsenal. You know, you don't have Martinelli, and then Havertz, just, as we've discussed, has struggled to fit in. It it just really wasn't a good performance for Arsenal this week. But you know, they they do have a chance on Sunday, as we'll discuss later in this episode. They do have a good chance on Sunday to rebound um, against Man City. Now, the other match in that group, uh, PSV and Sevilla draw 2-2. So the group now looks like this. Lons at first with four points. Arsenal second with three. Sevilla on two points. And then PSV on one. PSV, a, a team that I thought could possibly come out of this group, finish second in this group. They have not gone off to a great start, but there's still a lot of, of matches to be played, and it's pretty uh, pretty close together. Now, Group C saw Real Madrid beating Napoli 3-2 at the Diego Maradona. Uh, stadium Napoli got the scoring going at 19 minutes in, but it was the Real Madrid show. It was the Jude Bellingham show once again. Uh, Vinicius he scored at the 27th minute, but that that goal was amazing. That goal was more Bellingham than anything. Intercepting a pass, uh, and then driving down the pitch and getting into the box and pretty much laying off a beauty to Vinicius who uh, scored the goal, and then Bellingham scored. His own goal later, he scored at the 34th minute to make it 2-1 to one Real Madrid. Zielinski, he evened it up at 54 on a penalty. And then Alex Merritt, he unfortunately for Napoli uh, 
got an own goal at the 78th minute. Uh, so in, in a match that brought two teams that had great seasons last year, got really far in Champions League last year, uh, two very strong sides. Uh, you know, it was it was uh, once again the the Real Madrid show and the Jude Bellingham show, and I think we're going to see a lot more of this as we progress in the Champions League. A really really even match, one of those matches where you have these two heavyweights fighting against each other. You kind of expect possession was 50-50, shots were even at eighteen. So really proper football game, just really exciting watch, a fun watch at least for me. Now we continue to see again and again, as I mentioned, Jude Bellingham. And what he has brought to the table for Real Madrid, he's just been incredible. Worth every single penny so far for them that they've used on him this offseason. And he's the best midfielder in the world right now. I'm not saying he is the best midfielder, but he is playing like the best midfielder in the world right now. I know our friend Kyle texted the group chat after the match earlier this week, and he he said, put your money now on Bellingham to win the Ballon d'Or. And you know what? I don't think it's too crazy because – Real Madrid's going to be in this thing. They're going to be in the Champions League for the long haul. They're just too talented of a squad not to be. La Liga's very competitive. Barcelona, them are going to battle it out. And Letty might even find its way in there. Uh, they've had a pretty good start to the season. Um, so I, I don't think that's crazy at all. I, I think the Ballon d'Or could be on the table for Bellingham. And he's a guy that's going to win everything, right? He's going to win La Liga titles for them. He's going to win Champions League titles for them. He's going to win a World Cup for England, whether that's 2026, 2030, whenever that is. Um, he's just that special of a player. And, and a lot of clubs wanted him, especially Liverpool. I know Man City wanted him too. A lot of clubs wanted Jude Bellingham. And for me, I would just to get him. He's just a game changer. They don't even have a striker, and it's it hasn't hurt them. I mean, they, they haven't been perfect. They haven't had the perfect start to their La Liga season, but he's been just so impactful being that attacking midfielder. Him and Vinicius is like, Attacking midfielder to left wing combo, uh, two, two of the best in the world, just just unbelievable players. Uh, now, Group C now looks like this: uh, Real Madrid at six points, Napoli and Braga at three, and Union Berlin at zero. Moving to Group G, back to another Premier League squad: Man City three, Leipzig one. Um, now, Man City actually dominated this game; it just took them a while to get the goals. You know, you see this from Man City sometimes, where they just get so many shots and just outplay an opponent, but it's just sometimes the ball just doesn't go in the net. And that's really, uh, to me, what this was. Phil Foden opened the scoring at the 25th minute. Uh, Openda evened it up at 1-1 in the 48th. And then uh, some subs came on and some subs made massive impacts. Julian Alvarez came on. He scored a stunner of a goal in the 84th minute. Jeremy Doku also came on. Uh, and he scored in the 92nd to put this one away. Again, Man City won this one 3-1. They had 68% possession. They had 18 shots to Leipzig's three, so they really, they just really outplayed them. And for Man City, a few things stood out to me. Um, again, first of all, the subs, Doku, just his pace on the outside just makes such a difference. He is a, a great signing for Pep Guardiola. Um, they bring in Julian Alvarez last year. He also came on in this one. He now has six goals in all competitions this year. So obviously he's not Erling Holland, but he's someone who compliments Holland very nicely up top. And he is someone who is going to score a lot of goals for them. And he's going to score a lot of goals for Argentina. He's just a tremendous, tremendous football player. Uh, kind of also takes over for Riyad Mahrez in a way. A guy who, you know, kicked a lot of free kicks and scored goals on free kicks. And, and you know, you kind of expect Alvarez to kind of take that leap 
he doesn't play the exact same position that Mars played, but um, he has some similarities in the way that they're going to use him in terms of production. And also Rico Lewis. I, I was very impressed with him, the youngster. Uh, they actually played him more in a midfield role, and he, he looked really good uh, playing centrally in that midfield role, and he was kind of a big reason why they, uh, they, they played the way they did. So Group G now looks like this. City at six points, Leipzig at three, Young Boys and Red Star each have one. Now running through the other groups real quickly here before we move on to Europa League. Inter, 1-0 over Benfica. And then uh, RB and then RB Salzburg, they lost to Real Sociedad 2-0. Real Sociedad and Inter each have four points. Salzburg has three. Benfica, zero. Benfica, very disappointing start to this Champions League campaign. Group E, Atletico Madrid, three. Feyenoord, two. While Lazio beat Celtic, two to one. So in that group, you have Atleti and Lazio each on four. Feyenoord on three. And Celtic on zero again for Celtic. Also a disappointing start. And then finally in Group H, Barcelona beat Porto one nil, and Shakhtar beat Antwerp three to two. Uh, Barcelona has six points. They've won both of their matches. They look pretty good and in pretty good shape. Uh, moving on here, and then Porto, Shakhtar, they each have three. Antwerp has zero. So that is your. Uh, match day two recap of Champions League action. But that wasn't all the European action. Of course, on Thursday, we got Europa League and Europa Conference League. And to just look at some of the English sides of these competitions um, in Europa League first, we'll start there. Brighton 2, Marseille 2. So a 2-2 draw for Brighton. And it was actually a terrible start. That first half was brutal they gave up two goals uh within a minute and a half each other uh the 19th and 20th minute they kind of look like they're sleepwalking you kind of see that depth issues that brighton may have combined with some injuries um combined with maybe teams starting to figure out the zerbi a little bit Uh, i think all of those things have, have kind of contributed to brighton's Weak play of late, which of course included that six to one thrashing at the hands of Aston Villa this past weekend in the Premier League. Uh, but but I, I will give credit to Brighton; they came back nicely in the second half. A fifty fourth minute goal from Pascal Gross, one of their more underappreciated players, one of their better players, uh, very important guy for them uh, to get going. And then the eighty eighth minute, they got a penalty kick from Jao Pedro, um, and it is his fifth goal of the season fourth penalty goal of the season. So he's had an impact for them, especially at least in terms of be able to take those penalty shots that they've, they've gotten a good amount of again, Versailles started very strong in this match kind of let up a bit in the second half for Brighton. If Brighton wants to be serious about competing for anything this year, whether it's being top four in the premier league or it's winning Europa league or maybe even both, uh, they're gonna have to shore up their defense. They are the first Premier League. They're their first Premier League squad to score twenty and concede twenty goals in their first ten matches since Newcastle did so in nineteen ninety nine. So while Brain's very good at scoring goals, they they're averaging more than two a game across all competitions. They also give up a lot of goals and they give up twenty so far in the season. That's it's a big number that might be the reason they don't achieve what they want to achieve. It might be the reason why they finished fifth, sixth, or seventh opposed to finishing, let's say third or fourth. Um, 
Deserby's been honest. He said they're not playing well after this match. He said it's a tough period. Uh, again, they're dealing with injuries. Estupinian is out for a while, at least a month with an injury. Uh, they've had they've had to rotate, and they don't have the depth that they had. Kind of something that some of the guys have mentioned on this podcast in previous episodes, that they're not as deep as they were. You can lose guys, but once you, you know, that's fine and all, and you can replace those guys, but it's a lot of guys to replace, and especially depth-wise. You're relying on some guys that probably shouldn't be playing uh, Europa League uh, for an English Premier League side, that's that's kind of when you're going to have those struggles. Moving on, West Ham, they went to Freiburg, and they won 2-1. to one. And for West Ham, the strong play in Europe competitions continues. They've now gone 17 games unbeaten in European matches, and that is a new English side record. They are 16-1-0 over those last 17. Uh, Paqueta scored in the eighth minute. Got the got going early. Uh, they held on for a while. Freiburg did tie it up in the 49th, but West Ham got a goal back in the 66th minute from Aguard. Um, a really strong performance. I don't think it was one of their best. They didn't really have a whole lot of possession, but they got the job done. Uh, they called on some some key players and and they got it done. Jared Bone looked good. I mean, he's one of those guys that I think will eventually be on a a top six, if you will. In top six and Newcastle uh, squad. Uh, just a really strong offensive player, getting touched in the opponent's box. He had four shots, had a chance created. James Ward-Prowse continues to make a, a massive impact. He had another assist. He has six on the season in all competitions. So for West Ham, who have had a really good start to the season, that 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 strong play continues in Europe, and that is going to be their bread and butter for the season as they you know try to, to carve through this Europa League and, and get pretty far as they did last year as they got far in uh, Europa Conference League and actually won the competition. So they're trying to win European competitions in back-to-back years. And then the final Premier League team that is in Europa League, that is Liverpool, they won 2-0 over USG. Nothing too crazy out of this one. Um, there were a couple a couple of things that were, I would say, a little underwhelming in the sense of they started a pretty strong side, a stronger side than I thought they were going to start. They started Allison at goal. Uh, I thought Kelleher was going to start, but he actually had an injury, so he couldn't go. So Allison got the start. Uh, they brought back Trent Alexander-Arnold to start right back. They started Salah and Nunez up top. Um, so when you look at the lineup they played, again, 2-0 is fine. No complaints at all. But I, I guess the fact it kind of took as long as it did to uh, to get where they wanted to go was a little little disappointing. Um, Darwin Nunez had a absolute sitter. He... I could have scored. I would have scored. I could tell you that he he missed the goal. That if he misses that in a big spot, it's going to be big problems for him. And you see with Darwin Nunez developing that consistency with getting the shot in the net is something that it's going to make or break him. It's either going to make him one of the best strikers in all of Europe, or it's going to make him just another guy and a guy who is a bust. So we'll see what happens with Darwin Darwin Nunez. But uh, he had a a, a rough miss of a goal uh, in the first half for Liverpool. Graven Birch, on the other hand, he looked fantastic. He got a goal. But aside from that, he just was absolutely dominating the game in the midfield. You kind of see why they paid with the money they did for him and brought him in on that last transfer window day this past summer. He looks fantastic. He looks good. Very good performance out of him. Again, it was 1-0 for most of the game. 
And then uh, Diego Jota scored in the 91st minute. Liverpool outshot USG 19 to 6. But, um, you know, again, they, they got the win. They got what they needed out of that. Now, moving on to Coventry real quick before we preview match week eight. Aston Villa, a 1-0 victory over Drinsky Mostar. And it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy as it probably should have been. Now, they outshot them 27-3, 75% possession, nine shots on target to uh, Mostar's one. So if you look at the stats, they they kind of dominated. They couldn't get the ball in the net. Um, they kind of had to bring in bring in a few guys, a few subs uh, late to help them. And it was John McGinn. He won it in the 94th minute and the fourth minute of stoppage time. Uh, it, it, it was rough. It was rough going there. They thought they were going to get a draw, but they uh, they came away with the victory now we will preview match day number eight crazy it's already here match day number eight but but here we are and of course um there is a big one and that one is sunday at 11 30 a.m eastern time here in the states and that is arsenal versus manchester city at the emirates city of course come into the match top of the league 18 points a 17 to 5 goal differential arsenal on the other hand they are a third they have 17 points and a 15 to 6 goal differential. And this is really a, a just massive, massive game for Arsenal. This is one that they, in my opinion, they they have to win. If they're serious at all about competing for a title like they were last year, this is this is go time for them. This is go time for Mark Mikel Arteta. This is where you need to kind of put your foot down and and make a statement. They Got a lot of criticism last year for not holding that lead. Um, again, one of the reasons they kind of you know lost the league to City. I mean, the two matches against City last year where they lost by a combined score uh, seven to two, so they struggled against City. This is City's weakest point, I would say. You're kind of getting City at a really, really good time if you're Arsenal. You're getting them at home. You're getting them when they don't have Rodri, who was on red card suspension. You're getting them when they don't have KDB in there. That he is out injured. Uh, you're getting them when they're still trying to integrate a few new pieces. Guys like Kovacic, guys like Doku, uh, guys like Nunes. Uh, Bernardo Silva still working his way back from injury. John Stone just still working his way back from injury. So if you're Arsenal, this is a match you have to win. This isn't about getting one point. This isn't about, you know, competing with City and, and making it look good. This is, if you're Arsenal, you have to win this game. At least if you're if you're serious about trying to compete for a title. If you're not, then then you're not. That's fine. And we'll see what happens. But if you're Arsenal, this is it. They have to win this game. They have to take advantage. Um, obviously, you don't have Bukayo Saka. That is, look, I'm not going to lie to you and say it's not huge. If you don't have Bukayo Saka, that's a huge goal scoring guy that you might not have and, and that could be a difference maker as well but you, you want to see guys like Declan Rice take charge you want to see him kind of boss that middle of the pitch uh, with no Rodri in there he can be a kind of a game changer uh, in that regard uh, Jesus against his former teams and Janko against his former team uh, you want to see Odegaard creating shots and, and trying to you know maybe even getting a goal himself um, we'll see what happens but it, it is massive for Arsenal uh, and again, the role that Rodri plays, I mentioned not having Rodri. In 144 matches with him, Man City, they've just lost 13% of those games. And in those games, they've given up 0.8 goals per match and have, fa- and have faced 7.1 shots per match. 
now in the 15 matches without him since they've gotten him, they have a loss rate of 33%, so much higher than 13%. And they've given up 1.1 goals per match, again, higher than the 0.8. And they faced 8.1 shots per match, a whole shot more per game. So really from every angle, Rodri is, is such an important guy uh, to Man City squad. So for him to be on the red card suspension, you see why Pep was annoyed at him. Um, that's definitely a guy that could be the reason why Arsenal takes advantage. Um, unfortunately for Arsenal, I don't think they're going to win. I don't think, you know, I just don't think they have it in them. And his down is C again, maybe down is the wrong word, but city is vulnerable at this point. Um, I just don't know if Arsenal can take advantage, especially if Saka is unable to go. This kind of feels to me like a draw feels to me like a two, two draw, but, but we'll see what happens. Of course. Now, another match that is of intrigue this weekend, Brighton versus Liverpool at the Amex. That is Sunday in that 9 a.m. Eastern time window. Liverpool fourth place on 16 points and Brighton sixth place on 15 points. So two really good squads. Um, again, we, we mentioned before Brighton giving up a lot of goals. They've conceded in every single Premier League match this season. Now, both teams are coming off losses in the Premier League. Of course, Liverpool against Tottenham. That... Uh, probably left a really, really, really bad taste in their mouth. And then Brighton coming off that thrashing to Aston Villa 6-1 to last Saturday. Both teams kind of were going to have something to prove. Uh, Brighton struggled a bit of late. Uh, aside from that 6-1 thrashing, they didn't look great, like I said, in that, uh, in that Europa League competition this week on Thursday. Liverpool, they look healthier than they've been. I, I think they're going to you know, have a really strong, strong performance. Um, I think this is a match Liverpool wins 4-2, 3-2. Gives up a couple goals, but they're going to score some goals as well. Also in that 9 a.m. Eastern time Sunday window, West Ham hosts Newcastle. West Ham is in 7th on 13 points, while Newcastle is all the way up to 8th. They are on 12 points. Again, I talked a lot about Newcastle earlier. Um, they are starting to get going. I don't think that changes. I know West Ham can be a bit of a tough place to play. Uh, David Moyes also o- always has that squad ready at home. But but I do think that it is Newcastle. It is Newcastle's time. They're going to really start rolling all some victories here. Um, both teams had European competition, so that obviously won't really have too much of an impact this weekend. So I think through the, the rest of the matches this weekend, Luton Town hosting Tottenham Saturday in the 7.30 a.m. Eastern time window as uh, they try to you know, continue their strong play where they had a point last weekend. Everton, they host Bournemouth. Uh, Sheffield travels to Fulham. United hosts Brentford. Burnley hosts Chelsea. Nottingham Forest travels to Crystal Palace. That is the Saturday, 12.30 a.m. Eastern time game. And then Wolves host Villa Sunday at 9 a.m. So as you can tell, it's another fun weekend, Uh, especially that Man City-Arsenal match. Should be a lot of fun all around. We will be back on Tuesday with an all-new episode. The guys will be back to recap match day number eight of the Premier League and to talk, of course, Champions League, Europa League, some international stories as well, everything in between. Do not forget to subscribe to us uh, on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you rate, leave us a nice comment, and we will continue to bring you some good old soccer content And until next time, thank you so much for listening. I'm Stu Kovacs. We will talk to you on the next episode.